0: To the December 2011 podcast of Ordinary Means, I'm your host Sean Nolan here today with Matt Bowling. Hi, Sean. And David Milligan.
1: Hello.
0: This is so fun. I love being the host of a of a podcast because I get to introduce people. Then wait, can I introduce some more people? And Kermit the Frog. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hi, ho. Almost, welcome to that the was show. Almost funny. Yeah. There you go. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the movie, though. Are you guys looking forward to the Muppet movie?
2: I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: You're serious. You have children and you don't know about the upcoming Muppet movie.
2: Sean, we intentionally live in uh, media darkness. Um, some of us just, uh, you know, it's just, it's just right, Sean you're the one who 's diluted. You,
0: you know could you repeat what you said before we started recording Matt about Facebook? Could you tell that little story <laughs> <laughs> so somebody because we re- want you we want our listeners we want all three of our listeners to understand what exactly what, what they're doing what they 're getting into what they 're dealing with yeah. when they listen to us
2: mm-hmm. um, yes, so uh, it was recently suggested that we should put our church on Facebook and actually another ministry that I work with as well and um, I couldn't understand at the beginning of uh why someone would do that Uh, i get it better now but i'm just getting old is all
0: we get old and we get set in our ways
2: well you do at least we know that
0: (laughs) yes i do do, apparently oh um david David, redeem me here you know about the upcoming muppet movie right
1: Uh, i've seen the trailer but i've only know they think that it's coming out around thanksgiving Is that
0: right? it is it is and it's it's the chance That's so humiliated it's the chance to introduce your children to an icon of 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 your growing up years right, right. so um it, anyway it's right they you'd think are they going to pay me now will you whoever it is universal or whoever's putting this on are they gonna i don't know who does the muppets is that universal
1: maybe they can sponsor you
0: I was going to say, we just did some good advertising for him on the podcast. Speaking of watching the Muppet movie, we're talking about parenting. How's that? Was that a good transition? Uh, Close. (laughs) It was sort of a segue. Um, We are talking about parenting the ordinary means. What on earth does that mean? It means how do we get uh, the Word of God into our kids? How do we teach our kids to pray? How do we... Uh, bring our kids to a place where they desire to take the Lord's Supper. Um, you know, where, where does parenting connect with the ordinary means of grace? If, if these things are the ways that God gives grace to his beloved children, um, how do we get our kids into that world? Um, what does that look like from a parent's perspective? And, and we've been talking about this. I think this is third month on this topic. And uh, yes, because David, you joined us the first time, and then we were lonely without you the second time, and now here you are again. And you know, I told you this before, we have David on here for a reason, and it's because this podcast, as we discovered last month, Matt and I bring sore imbalance to this podcast, because we are both first-generation Christians. Um, no doubt about it, Matt. You you grew up in in upstate New York, Jewish family, or yes, would you, nominal Jewish? Would you say they become no, nominal Jewish? Yeah, okay. It's
2: a good way to put you it. Know,
0: I grew up in California, the land of fruits and nuts, um, with a I, I can't even call it a nominal Lutheran family. We were, if you asked. My family, what religion we were, they, I think they might have said Lutheran. But we never went to church. We never read the Bible. Um, there was a very minimal amount of information that I got from my mother, um, simply from her upbringing. She had grown up in a Lutheran church. So I don't know if that makes me a first-generation Christian or a second-generation Christian or what that does. It's California, so I was probably a first-generation Christian. Um, whereas David... Okay, can you do the can you do the math? You are the you're the son of a pastor.
1: Yes, I'm the son of a pastor who is the son of a pastor. So my grandfather was a pastor as well as my father.
0: Okay, and they and how wow. how long has your family been believers? I mean, can you do you know how many generations back
1: it goes? Oh boy, no. Although I think my aunt uh, once traced our uh, lineage back to Jonathan Edwards. Wow. And I do know that we have ancestors that arrived on the Mayflower. Yowzer.
0: Wow. (laughs) Wow. So, like, you could be related to Squanto.
1: (laughs) I, that's why I like food so much. Must be Thanksgiving gene.
0: Thanksgiving it's coming around the corner. But what did, what did Squanto taught him to do? He taught him to fish. He taught him to do something in the mud. Plant
1: corn, put fish in the, in fish, the hole. Fish, that's what it sea. was. Yeah, the fish
0: fertilized the fertilized the ground with fish. So that's this is the So and and it's interesting. There's a there's a great children's book on Squanto that gets at the, the the Christian stuff that when you actually do the history, he really was uh, a Christian. Uh, he really had come to faith through his interaction with the English, and um, you know, and his his the whole view of that Mayflower company was that Squanto being there was an act of providence.
1: Yes, that's right. So. Is that the Barbara Rainey's book?
0: Uh, no, not that book. It's the. Oh, I can't. I just watched uh, an interview by the fella. Um, it's a guy. He's a. Uh, I want to say he's a. He's a scholar, Christian scholar, a pastor, and I, I. The name is completely blanking out on me. Matt, Matt's looking it up right now. He'll figure it out. Um. <laughs> so, so what we want to do is is sort of have a roundtable discussion here today on. How does parenting differ? Um, you know, <laughs> here you go. David, we're looking to you to, to comfort us. Because for, for, for Matt and I, parenting our kids in the faith is, is, is a battle. Um, because we're not only fighting their natural inborn uh, sin... But we're fighting our natural inborn sin and you know our our leftovers um you know the Bible talks about the the sins of the father being passed on to the fourth generation you know we're fighting those and we're seeing those in our kids you're you're coming to this I'm guessing you know i'm I'm just gonna throw this out there you're coming at parenting. With a few more resources around your belt, a belt, maybe a little bit more experience of what a Christian home is going to look like, maybe even some family worship time under your belt before you got to uh, to the parenting game. Yes, and yes, that's right. and so what we want to do is sort of have a round table here, and um, we want to pick your brain and and as well as ask what are the temptations. What are the goods and bads on both sides? You know, for example, I think on the side of a first generation Christian, I think there's a passion yes. to raise your kids for the Lord that that probably goes away a little bit when you get through multiple generations in a Christian family.
1: I'm not sure it goes away, but I, I certainly think that it's you know that newly ignited fire of a first generation parent, Christian parent to say, you know, my kids are gonna benefit Going to know the blessing of the Lord in their lives, we're going to be very intentional about this. I certainly think that's an advantage, uh, as a part as opposed to perhaps um, a little more apathy, a little more reliance on the church, a little more saying, "Well, you know, yeah, uh, we did it," but I'm not so sure it was all that beneficial. That's
2: interesting. Given the history of of the church that I pastor right now, in that we have an older generation of folks, and when I mean older, I mean like 75 and above, Mm -hmm. where virtually none of their kids are not only in our church, um, but they are not really in any church. Right. And um, the... um, and i th- I think that there was um, and there's great confusion on the part of the these you know what are now grandparents and great grandparents because they kind of you know brought their kids to church to make them to so that they'd become good Christians and sent them to the school so that they'd become good citizens, and neither happened yeah and they're utterly confused as right. to why that was because they themselves did not assume the gospel, but in their raising of the kids they did they just assumed that it would sort of transfer over without a lot of intentionality.
1: Right, and so they learn the morals of the faith, but not the God of the faith kind of thing.
2: Yeah, yeah, there's sort of a... Even now, um, you know, we'll talk about moralism or we'll, we'll talk about, um, you know, legalism or we'll just talk about, you know, that Christianity's not try harder or, you know, be the right kind of person. You know, it's something much more about Jesus and it's kind of... it's still odd to people. You know, isn't it... We're just talking about the difference... Uh, um, you know, between common virtue and true virtue. And one of our older folks was having a hard time. They're just like, but honesty's a good thing. Right. Right. <laughs> and it is a good thing. It's just not an ultimate thing. And if it doesn't have reference to God, it can actually be dishonoring to God. And that's that's very odd for a generation that grew up just to do the right thing.
0: Right. Well, now this, is, th- this is a good example. I don't want to get off the parenting topic too much here, but as pastors... You and I, Matt, come at that, and we see somebody who is, uh, who is maybe a moralist or a legalist, um, or at least we interpret them that way. Mm-hmm. And you know our our thing is we wanna we wanna go at them with our you know with our anti-legalist gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering, you know, David, I'm I'm sure you've got these people in your church as well. Oh yes. How do you how do you deal with that? What's your uh, what's your plan of attack when you've got somebody that, that, as you put it, knows the morals of the faith but doesn't know the God of the faith?
1: Well, I, I, again, it's like with the kids—you need to go after the heart. I, I think grandparents, though, have a very unique opportunity to impact their grandchildren. And if the grandparents understand the gospel, even if the parents don't, you know, they're they're going to pray for their grandkids in a certain way. Yeah. And so we have families where the adult children are not in any church and are perfectly happy uh, and don't see their need of the gospel. Hmm. But uh, you know, they they there's still some pull for the church for their for their own children. Maybe it's only Bible school or or something. But you know, we we need to go after their hearts, their their grandparents' hearts too. Hmm.
0: Absolutely. You're saying the grandparents are in the church.
1: Correct, yeah. Okay. This older generation.
0: Mm-hmm. Or
1: great grandparents in, in many cases in seventy or eighty.
0: Mm-hmm. So what what was it um what was it like for you growing up as a as a PK? <laughs> that's a that's a broad question, but you know, I mean what were the now that you're a dad. What did what do you think what do you think you gleaned from your dad? Maybe what were what did you what do you not do? Is there anything you don't do that your dad did? I, I don't want you to confess your dad's sins, but you know, I mean for for Matt and I it feels like everything we do is not something that our parents did.
1: Right, right. Well and and I would look at it the other way too, that that my sins you know, there there are a lot of ways in which I'm not doing things my dad did, which I wish I was. Um, hmm. He was very faithful, very uh, disciplined in terms of our family devotions, and I'm not as disciplined, and I wish I was more disciplined. Um, so that would be an example of something there. My experience as a as a pastor's kid, a PK, uh, was very positive by God's grace, um, and I think my brothers. I have two younger brothers who also obviously grew up as PKs. I think their experiences were different from mine, but also overall positive. um, That it was, uh, we have seen um, and are reaping the the benefits and blessings of God um, through the church uh, and because of our parents, God's grace in our life, that kind of thing. Um, Both of my brothers are also pastors, interestingly. So, Are they really? I didn't again. know that. Yeah, different huh. nominations, but <laughs> yeah, all three of us. Um, you know, and I really, you know, I think you guys did a great job last month talking about family worship and getting, you know, scripture, getting that gospel into the hearts uh, of our kids. And I particularly appreciated the fact that you brought up that we need to model, you know, what it is to to understand the gospel. We need to be parents that repent. Uh, we need to be careful that we're not provoking our children. You know, all those kind of things are, are things that I saw modeled in my own family's life as I was growing up. Uh, not perfect parents, but, you know, mom and a dad who understood the gospel, uh, tried to model it, uh, you know, relied on God's grace, um, upheld the authority of scripture, um, and all those things were were taught from a very early age and consistently throughout, not to say that there weren't bumps in the road by any means but, but there was a consistency there that I knew when I left home, not only what my parents believed, but why they believed it and what I, what I believed as well, which is just a tremendous blessing.
2: Hmm. Well, and if I remember correctly, it's been a few years since we've lived near each other, David, but you're Dad is in the denomination that things have not gone very well recently were th- any of those tensions there when you were growing up, or was it relatively tension free
1: No, there were those tensions, and it's interesting to look back with hindsight and see God's providence because I think it's precisely because he was fighting against the the loss of uh, the authority of scripture in the denomination he's in that he made. Sure that we understood um, that god 's Word is true is inerrant, is infallible and is authoritative and sufficient um, and again, the same kind of thing with uh, Christ is the only way of salvation and and all of those things were brought into uh, there was a stark difference between um, a clarity I guess uh, that came from having to fight those battles. not that I would advocate a denomination going through those struggles. Yeah, but I, I think that, that God in His providence used that to firm up the foundations.
0: Hmm. Now, were you aware of any of that at the time?
1: Oh, growing up, yeah, we we talked about it around the dinner table. Um, sure.
0: How do you feel about how much do you think we need to include um, our kids in? the struggles that the parents are going through what's your having having been through that and i obviously it's a, you you had an overwhelmingly positive experience so you're probably going well you tell me what you're going to say I won't, <laughs> I won't answer for you
1: okay uh yeah well you probably know no go ahead um I, I will say that my parents never talked about any trouble in the church around the dinner table. Um, they moved uh, once, well, when I was in the middle of second grade was the first move that I remember, and then they didn't move again until uh, I had graduated uh, from high school my second year of college. Uh, but, you know, I was never aware of any tensions or conflicts that they were having with the, in the church among the elders or any other, you know, anything else and so my experience and my perception of the church was always very positive and we had a lot of folks in the church that really blessed us as as pastor's kids came around and taught us and mentored us and and, uh, expanded our horizons in various ways but I, I do think that it was beneficial to talk about the struggle of the denomination or the struggle of the worldwide church against either false religions other world religions or um, the internal debates as well I felt well prepared when I went off to college to understand um, the fundamental
2: all didn't know everything didn't actually go the way everybody wanted it to all the time right yeah hmm. that's interesting and it's interesting that that uh, just having gone through a us struggle period, and, and us not including our kids at all in that, um, but including them in the concept for me of including them and in what's going on at the nomination didn't doesn't really strike me. But to be exposed to the fact that you know we believe something, and there are other things that other people believe, and this is why we believe it, and why we're sort of maintaining where we are, uh, is important for kids in forming their own discernment which is good
0: David did you ever have a um, did you have a rebellious period at all
1: (laughs) yeah sure I did
0: so what drugs did you do? I'm just kidding. You don't have to. You don't have to answer
2: that. This is being recorded. This is why I love Sean. It's the whole reason we do the podcast because it's, it's just fun to see him do this to people. It's great.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I I wonder if okay. So now I'm I'm going to ask this question because I I don't have any solid scientific data for this, but I do do kids who are raised in Christian homes. Need a little bit of rebellion to sort of figure out who they I, and I, you know and I don't obviously rebellion is never right, but is there does God use that to sort of say no no your parents were right <laughs> huh. this is the church is the way you want to go oh,
1: hey, I we- don't know that I can answer that I, I think you know rebellion takes all kinds of shapes and sizes and. um huh. Mine had a lot more to do with a rebellious heart uh, against you know my parents and their wishes and disciplines than a, a lot of overt things. Um, I look back as a as a parent myself now and, and certainly understand the gravity and and struggle I put my folks through. Um, mm. I, I don't know that there were a lot of folks in the church or community necessarily where of of that heart struggle
2: now this is is interesting because I think that one of the things frankly about feeling like an idiot parenting is that it's so raw and new to you it's not really assumed in some ways um, not entirely but in some ways we can really honestly sometimes go to our kids and say you know what we screwed that up this is our first time doing this and (laughs) Uh, we don't really, we don't really know how to do this um, in church life. I just call that stumbling in the right direction, yeah. And yep. I try to encourage our leaders that um, you know this may be all that God really wants for us. If we had all the answers as to how to do all this, then we wouldn't really depend on Him. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's a refreshing sort of, there can be. I'm not saying that we always exhibit this, uh, Julianne and I, but the, you know there. Maybe there can be sort of a refreshing humility and just being able to say, you know, we haven't done this before. We're strugglers in this too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that
1: absolute dependence on God and his grace, uh, You know, I think that's something we do model to our kids when we admit, you know, maybe we didn't, maybe we didn't do that exactly right the first time. <laughs>
0: mm. <laughs> I'm just going to sit over here moaning for the, for, the rest of the, <laughs> for the rest of the conversation. Um, there's, there's, I know there's so much here um, that we're just not going to be able to touch in in a single podcast. Um, the, can, can I throw one thing in, Yeah, throw, throw something in. Yeah, I just had a friend in town that, um, Sean, you'll
2: remember from seminary. Um, Phil Henry was just in town a couple of weeks ago. He was another PCA pastor that I know, and we went to seminary together. And, Anyways, um, Phil and I have had a little bit of commiseration about the fact that we were late to... Um, really appreciating our kids and kind of getting into the groove of what it means to be a Christian dad and, and that kind of thing. And um, he and I have joked that with our older kids, we've had to go back and reparent them.
0: <laughs> mm.
2: And and I think that that's, uh, that's been really good for me to realize that even in this, um, they you know, the older kids bear the brunt of you learning how to do this. Mm. I mean, my... 19 month old, almost 20 month old daughter is having a charmed parenting experience with me in comparison to my older two sons. Um, and being able to go back and be able to admit, Hey, you know, I haven't done this well. Um, I want to love you. I want you to know that you're as much that the apple of my eye as this little delight is over here. And I don't want you to lose that message even as you see me acting towards her like I did not find myself capable of acting towards you when you were her age. And there's hopefully that um, can be that intentional reparenting of those older kids um, can be a really good thing Uh, of us really owning the gospel to a greater degree about our own hearts even as they were in parenting towards them. And that being a form of discipleship of them, as well as just plain honesty by us,
1: yeah that's good
0: i I wonder if there is a um, there's a message behind everything we're saying because i I'm listening to what we're saying, and what I'm hearing is there's not a real difference in how we parent um because we're both coming to it you know even for you, David, I'm sure you feel like this is the first time I've done this. Sure. Because you've never been a parent. Maybe you, were you a parent in a previous life? <laughs> I think I was a fly in a previous life. Um, or a donkey. I, m- I might have been a donkey in a previous life. Um, what, do, what do you think? What's your impression from watching first-generation Christians? What's your impression of what's easier for you as a, par- as a Christian parent and what 's harder for you wow um, do, I mean, do, do you do you ever do that? Do you ever look at first generation Christian parents and go they they are such idiots why don 't they just do this
1: <laughs> No, no i don 't do that that 's not my style. <laughs> <laughs> that's, not, that, even, that's what honor I would do. See, <laughs> we're not, we're
0: not, see there, right oh, there we've determined oh, the difference between a first-generation Christian.
1: <laughs> there
0: we go. And somebody raised in a Christian home, they never have thoughts like that. It's charity. That's, okay. Oh, charity. There is. Uh, well, no, charity. Charity is a great example. Isn't it? We, comfort comfort the first-generation Christian. Can we relax a little bit about our parenting?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think, again, it's... it's it's bringing the church alongside, allowing you know, those who have raised their kids already, uh, you know, to speak wisdom into your lives, and not just through books and tapes and conferences, but you know, those daily things where maybe there's an adopted grandparent who your daughter can go and you know, cry on her shoulder because mom doesn't understand me, or whatever it is that. You know, we have more than just mom and dad trying to do this alone here.
0: So so being raised in a Christian home gave you a greater sense of dependency not only on Christ, but on the church.
1: Yeah, that that the Lord used, I mean, I one of the things I really appreciate about your podcast is the ordinary means. And yet I sometimes think that we forget too that it's not just these objective things but it's people that God uses to get those uh, you you guys don't forget it because we're talking about parenting and getting you know the word of God and prayer and the the sacraments into the lives of of kids and how God does that but but it's the body of Christ you know that comes alongside we're not alone in this and we're not alone because we have Christ obviously and uh, the spirit but we're not alone because we're we're in community with one another too. Hmm.
0: Hmm. Grabbing onto those those resources. Well, you know, Matt and I both gave this example last month. I think it was last month of uh, in both of our lives. It was an elder mm. in a church. Mm-hmm. Um. We possibly our was it your first church, Matt? Was it the What's first? What's the chi- scenario? The 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 elder that really that brought you along. Was that in your um... it would have been in the second church that I attended okay. when I was still in college okay because um, I know for me it was Jack it was Jack Dundas who just who you know and and who um, you know there was there was I had no no adult speaking the gospel to me mm-hmm. no or no adult even being a Christian in my life and it was that it was the influence of, of him, of my uh, um, student venture leader mm-hmm. at our high school. It was the, uh, you know, the influence of guys like this who suddenly, you know, this non-Christian kid that I was had some godly fatherly influence. And it was huge. So it's, it's you yeah. see, it's, and that's the exact same thing you're saying, David, but it's God cool. using it with, you know, with the orphan.
1: Well, exactly. And, and it was true in my case as well. Growing up as a pastor's kid, one of the temptations is, you know, the outward rebellion just to chuck it all. But I had a, a man come into my life to mentor me, uh, who took me hunting and trapping with something my dad didn't do at all. And, you know, mm. that, you know, just that time together, um, those new experiences, um, you know, the high standard that he set that was, just the same as my dad was calling me to, you know, that reinforcement. I guess, yeah, that would be certainly one encouragement I would want to give to first generation Christian parents: is you're not alone. Mm.
0: Take 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 advantage of what the Lord has provided, and even when, when Paul comes to the church and he says, you know, you've been given spiritual gifts for this, you know, for the purpose of serving one another. Um, that that's part of what's going on there. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't found trapping as a spiritual gift, but I, it's got to be in there. <laughs> it's got to be in there, or at least something going along with the trapping.
1: You could run a trap line out behind your church, Sean. Huh?
0: I'm sure we could, <laughs> and we, sure. we would catch a few things. Um, so our, our first-generation Christians need to keep their zeal. Yes. How do we, how do we encourage uh, second, third generation Christians to keep their zeal? How do you strive to keep a, a zeal for Christ in your home?
1: Well, I think one way is by being around first generation Christians. Honestly, <laughs> uh, hmm. that there's an excitement about uh, your first love, you know, and, and that's that's one of the reasons why. And the outreach is so important, you know, hmm. and getting new folks into the church, and uh, you know, you you are reminded again and again you don't have all the answers, uh, but there's a passion for Christ and for the gospel, that's infectious. Um, yeah, I think I definitely think that's part of it. The other thing too, though, I mean, as you guys mentioned repeatedly, uh, is it's the gospel, it's God's grace in our hearts. And as he stirs up that delight in him, uh, we're just eager to pass it on to our kids. And we're, and we're, you know, as we understand the gospel better, we're passionate and praying and pleading that our, you know, to God before the throne of grace for our kids' hearts as well.
0: Mm. well we need to spend a, a whole podcast on that. Maybe we'll do this next month. Is is how do we teach our kids to pray? You know, how do we, how do we do, because it's such a, it's such an odd thing to teach. You know, you don't, prayer is not something maybe you can even teach, but we'll, we'll, we'll say that we'll deal with that next month. That's a little, that's a little hint suggestion to our three listeners to come back. (laughs) Um, Because
1: actually I do think sometimes kids get it better than we do.
0: Well, well isn't that jesus spent so much of his ministry saying you need to be like a child right
1: they they understand it's just talking to god and we get all hung up on the words and oh i didn't say this right and am i really supposed to pray this
0: and that's i think that's a difference between a first generation uh christian parent and a second or third is that you've got is the getting caught up mm. um Maybe maybe it comes on both sides. Maybe you've got the, the first-generation Christian parent who says, I'm not good enough at this, so I can't teach my kids it yet. You know, the, the old lie that you have to get it all figured out before you can teach it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it, I'm sure, David, you've experienced this of uh, of not of not feeling like you've got it. And so therefore I can't, I can't teach it. So it's, that may be, that may be a sin that just pops up on both sides. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm puzzling here though. Cause I, there, I know there's gotta be a difference. I'm not hearing a difference I, I, unless the difference between is what? simply between what it means. Th- there's gotta be a blessing. I mean, David, you talked about the blessings, that right. come from being raised in a Christian home now, I know that for my my wife, who was raised in a Christian home, she struggles with assurance because she hasn 't had that that point of conversion as an adult you know whereas for me, assurance is not something i've i 've struggled with tremendously because I know what I was like before, and I know what God has done in my life. Do you? Do you face that? Do you, you s- struggle with that? You feel like more as a uh, coming from a Christian family? Uh,
1: no, actually, um, I, I know what I was like before too, uh, and what Christ has saved me. I mean, it's—I I do think that that time of rebellion highlighted my need of the cross and the okay. a savior, and, and you know that was. Uh, I wouldn't say I was converted then, but was certainly I'm uh, going back to the cross or reaffirmation that hey, this this needs to be for me.
0: You see, and I'm I'm adding that to my my non scientific study. I I think from talking to people raised in Christian families that there is there, there's that little bit of as we mature, and I I, I don't use this this phrase lightly, but. We, we have to find ourselves, okay. And I don't I don't mean by that that you know we have to go off, and and live in the woods for a while. Um, I, <laughs> funny story is a guy, friend in uh, in college, who immediately after college he sent all of us a support letter, and we assumed at first he was going to go on a missions trip. You know you're you're used to getting those letters, but this letter was I need to, I need to raise support for a year. So I can go find myself. Oh, cool! And
2: <laughs> oh, wow!
0: And uh, we just we got a kick out of that one um, because uh, you know I, I was waiting for there to be like no address on the you know no name at the bottom of the letter because he couldn't he didn't know who he was, um, but it, I I think I suspect that everybody needs that, you know everybody has to figure out who they are before God. Mm-hmm. And whether that's whether you do that coming from outside the faith or whether you do that from coming inside the faith, um, I, I think that maybe Christian parents as, as their I think their tendency is to look at the, the those rebellious times and say and go into into how you parent a, a, a four or five year old, which is I got to I got to pull them back in. I've got to rein them in. I've got, to, I've got to come at them with more structure, which, of course, sends them away. And the Christian parent, I mean, tell me if you disagree with this, David, but it seems like the Christian parent can look at that and go, I see what's going on in my 14-, 15-, 16-year-old. I can come alongside them and help them to see what God in his providence is doing, with it, help them to understand this internal struggle they're having.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that, and and then also there's that. I I guess I just go back again. There's that resource of the visible covenant community, Mm. visible local church where people know you, and you're not afraid of them, and they can speak truth into your life as well. Um,
2: Well, and I think too, one thing that I'm just processing as you're saying this, Sean, is we're still finding our way, and. Maybe the thing that's harder if you grew up in a Christian home is you've already in some ways assumed things because you're not grappling with it yourself, mm. whereas we're still grappling with it. And so maybe there's an advantage to a degree if we let our kids in on the grappling.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
2: if we make visible to them that, hey, mom and dad are idolaters and we're still trying to figure out how we express it. you know, So when we talk to you about idols that you've got, we recognize we've got them too. And we're asking Jesus to help us with ours. And so, you know, we're in the same boat here. Um, and and maybe that's an advantage is that it's still, even though we're raw as parents and not as, we have to think about a lot, maybe that rawness is a help. Maybe it changes those Deuteronomy 6 conversations when you're walking along the road and, you know what I mean, we don't have three generations of, you know, stories and things like that to share, but we do have that this, you know, vital wrestling with the gospel as it applies to X in my life right now, and hopefully that translates over, if we're wise, into helping our kids wrestle with X as well as they see it in their own lives.
1: Yeah, and I I do think that's very important, those Deuteronomy 6 conversations as you're going along, to relate the gospel to all of life, and that is a danger, I think, for second generation or third generation or whatever it is, Christian parents, is that you, you know the answers. And so you're living life without talking about how you got those answers, or where those answers came from. And you know your kids may understand what they're supposed to do, but they may not know why. Hmm. They can they, their outward behavior is conforming to gospel standards, but in their hearts they haven't submitted to Christ.
0: Hmm. 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 I mean that is always the danger. I mean that's a danger for all of us.
1: Well, sure, right. But if we but... don't, if we just assume we know and we assume that they know, They're not, you're, not te- you're not teaching them.
0: Okay, how do I as a pastor, very practical question here, in, in the midst of my sermon, I'm talking to the kids, and I want to speak to those kids who were raised, who, who presumably all the kids in our church are being raised in Christian homes, for the most part, because the people there are claiming to be believers. Um, how do you how do you speak, how would you from the pulpit speak to the child and say something along the lines of just because your parents are Christian doesn't mean you are? You know, that, that's how I might say it. How would you say that, David?
1: I'd say the same thing. Yeah, definitely. That plainly, because they need to hear it that plainly. But I'd also say that to... You know the adults in the room too. Just because you, you know, are a member of this church, doesn't mean, you know, that you need to examine your life. It's it's not church membership. It's it's that that is what we rest in. It's Christ's atoning work on the cross is what we rest in. If you're not resting in that, if you're if you're getting your assurance from the fact that you're just a member, well, be careful. And same thing for the kids. your kids, you know, don't. Don't just assume because your parents are bringing you to church every Sunday that you know who Christ is or what the gospel is or what he has done for you. So I'd make sure I pushed it back to their, to everyone in the, in the whole congregation David, yeah. needs to wrestle with that.
0: No doubt. So do you see parenting, David, as a striving or as a plotting? plotting plodd not plott although i suppose you could see parenting as plotting but um we've plotted the future of our kids sean they're all getting married they're that's right (laughs) i had all the girls you guys had all the boys um david you've got a you got a couple girls in there yeah um would would or or is it both
1: uh, You'll have to explain what you mean by striving is, as opposed to plotting.
0: Is it a – because my impression of you, as we've gotten to know each other over the years, is that you are – you don't do anything fast.
2: <laughs> Which has huge advantages, <laughs> I have to tell you. Well, it does. I huge think advantages.
0: I will tell you, Matt, I think it's because he comes from a Christian family. I really do. I think – I think you're right. I, I absolutely think well, it I is. Think. Whereas am I'm, I'm the fool that rushes in. Um, and that's one of the things that I'm, that's one of the reasons I hang out with you is I try, I'm trying to soak, soak up that, that don't ru- don't rush <laughs> thing. I'm trying to get that from you. I feel an a new sun coming on. If I ever Sorry. like clip a piece of your hair or I poke you and steal some of your blood, I'm trying to, I'm trying, I'm doing a genetic experiment. <laughs>
1: oh, that's, that's bad news. Um, uh, well, I, I certainly think we're in it for the long haul. Yeah. And I think our kids need to know that, that we're not gonna give up on them. And, you know, I had the benefit of parents that even in my worst rebellions continued to, you know, love me and let me know that I was loved and there there was forgiveness available. Um and kept teaching me the truth and, and expecting, you know, me to live according to the light of scripture, not you know, not giving me a pass just because I
0: whatever uh, so they didn't do the because I hear so many parents today sweetheart will love you no matter what uh, it doesn't matter you know what your sexuality is it doesn't matter whether you have that sex change operation we're still going to love you so that's what you mean by a pass is right, they, they, didn't, right. They, didn't, they didn't allow for your sin they, but they accepted you as a sinner
1: yeah they didn't lower god's standard and say oh you know go ahead and do what you want but they they continue and part of that love was obviously this you know discipline when we speak the truth in love into hard situations there's going to be conflict sometimes and and part of our responsibility as parents is to discipline our children as well as disciple them it's a pro i mean that's part of the process of discipling Mm mm-hmm no doubt
0: So how do we, um, how do how do you teach your kids that it's that this is a continue that this is going to be an ongoing thing? Like I, I think about um, there's this sense in America today of I have to accomplish great things. Whereas, say fifty years ago, or even you know we we started with the Mayflower, let's end with the Mayflower, you yeah. know we just need to raise a... We just need to get a crop. Uh-huh. Um, because I think that that's something that is lacking today is the sense of glory... You know, Luther's... The, the milkmaid glorifies God as she milks. That, that, that gentle plotting. Is it, is it Thessalonians that says be, be careful to live a quiet life? working with your hands? Is that the end of, or is that the end of Philippians? I, I it's, they're right there in that section. It's Philippians or Thessalonians. Um, you know, you know what I'm saying is how do you, how do you teach your kids that?
1: Uh, I don't know that Matt's talked enough here, this, this podcast. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm
2: listening. I'm listening cause I'm learning, but um, I, I think that, there is a well of trust that somebody like David grows up with that is more instinctive because it was passed on to him. And so we tend, Sean and I would probably tend to panic more and to teach that panic to our kids instead of trust. And um, and I think that that's a, that's a huge thing. I find that as an instinct in myself is that because um, I can pass on more trust of God than sometimes I understand or practice myself, and my kids will be the beneficiaries of that, even as I struggle to have it in the first generation. So I think that that's, that's something that I think that's the kind of thing that Sean's sort of highlighting is you know we you know we're concerned because you know a kid, you know, has this difficulty or whatever. And so we kind of get into a little bit of panic mode, and we're just kind of like, where, you know, you can remember that things evened out in your Christian family over time. And, yeah, there were bumps in the road, and it didn't go so well with this brother, or, you know, this period in Dad's ministry wasn't great, but then it evened out, and God saw you through. And you kind of have that mental reserve or resource that's sitting back there going, God will see us through this. Because you saw that
1: actually happen. Yeah.
2: Where... We haven't,
1: and and isn't that what a lot of the Old Testament teaches us as Christians? You know, we have a faithful God. Mm. No matter whether we're wandering in the wilderness or enslaved in Egypt, or you know, it's not just a picture of our salvation spiritually and the hope of heaven, the promised land, but but it's also that here in the midst of the fallen world, God is faithful. He hasn't forgotten us. He's a Amen. purpose. Hmm.
0: I think we can just close on that note. <laughs> yeah. that's, that, that's, that's exactly it. He hasn't forgotten us. And whether you are a first-generation parent or a 50th-generation parent, um, the Lord, he's the only way any of us is going gonna, is gonna to get through this. Uh, he's, he's the only way any of our kids are ever going to come to know him is by him doing his work in their lives. And uh, so we'll, we'll be back next month to talk more about this, but specifically uh, how do we teach our kids to pray. And until then, may the Lord richly bless you as you pursue him through his ordinary means.